welcome to the No Regrets Podcast with Kate. Today I'm speaking with comedian Denise Carter. She is 805's favorite comedian, and this year, in 2019, she was voted the number one female comedian by The Reporter, which is in Ventura County. So I want to welcome her today. Thank you for agreeing to being on my podcast and sharing your story. How are you? Thank you for having me. I certainly appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. So I read a little bit about you on your website, and your website is ComedianDeniseCarter.com. And you have a very interesting story. So why don't we just dive in and start where you want to start and let's just get going. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Kathleen, for having me. Um, First, I want to say that my life kind of changed when my father got sick. He became ill with prostate cancer and it metastasized to the bone. And I had seven brothers and sisters that didn't quite understand what he was going through, the transition, that he begged his doctor and begged his doctor for more chemo. However, because I work in home health and hospice, I understood the transition. They didn't want my dad to have any meds. They wanted, my dad never took medicine. That was not his thing. He took BC for a headache, if he had a headache. But this was morphine, things of that nature. They gave them all the tools to understand what hospice was all about. And my brother, who's a PhD and is published and smart, didn't quite understand it. Maybe he just didn't want to understand it. And one day, I used to bring home every publication because of my job was to know what was going on in the community. Mm -hmm. I'd have like the BC Reporter, the Breeze, you know, different publications. And one day, it was my turn to watch my dad. And I'd send his third wife, who was married to before he passed, I sent her to get a massage to get uh, hair and nails, I mean, nails, pedicure and a manicure. And um, I'd always go pay for it and just have her show up. Then I'd watch him and I was going through this newspaper and I looked at it and said, hey, dad, says, come and become a comedian in six weeks. And I said, I should take this class and talk about your kids. And he was laying there in his hospital bed and he looked at me and he said, you should. <laughs> but before he passed away, um, he saw my first five minutes and um, he always encouraged anyone that was calling him. If they told him a funny story, huh, tell that to Denise to tell her on stage, tell that on stage. And it was a very, it, it was very, it was just very, it was just a way for me to absorb what I was going through emotionally. Sure. With him passing. Sure. And what year was this? 2013. 2013. So you've been a comedian for six years now? Yep. So and it's, been, it's been fun. Yeah, I've seen some of your videos. You're you've, you're high energy. Obviously, I can see why you're voted number one. So congratulations! And thank you. He did see your first five minutes. Mm-hmm. And he saw my first five minutes, and he, I took the a DVD to his house. He watched it from his hospital bed. Okay. So that was in February of 2013, and he died. May of 2013. Wow. But before I took that class in November, they told us he had six months to live. I mean, um, no, two weeks to live, 14 days. And he lived for another five months. So it was, it was great. Wow. Well, that's, that's beautiful. So I know back then you used material of your, you know, probably your brothers and sisters. Is that still the material you use today? Or? Not, not 
much, not so much. I, I talk a lot about, I try to stay away from uh, politics and religion. I've transitioned from the first time I had done it. I was very raw, trying to figure out who I was on stage. And I'm still figuring that out as you go. Because I work in um, a healthcare profession, I have to sometimes be careful of what I'm talking about because I don't want to be uh, perceived as blue, a blue comedian. But I was perceived by some of um, my colleagues as being blue, people I did business with. It was only because I was cussing and talking trash, but I was just talking about what was being talked about in the world. Right. And I, you, 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 I believe I have to be careful because I don't want to attract, I don't want people to think that's who I am. You know, it, you, when you're on stage, you're, 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 you're a character. You know, I'm creating a character of this person. It's not always who I am, but I've, I've changed over the years, I'd say. Of course. How were you when you were younger? Were you as bubbly? Yeah. Did you do a lot of performances when you were younger for your so family? I was, a, I was a middle child starving for attention. A middle child, my, my mother was, she, her and my father got a divorce. But my mom had a nervous breakdown. She was in Cameron State Hospital for years. I remember on and off. And so when she finally got better, she came to live with us, but she was never really the same. But then she left. So I had always had the responsibility of taking care of my siblings. Even though I was the third oldest, I still had a lot of responsibility, making sure that you know, they got fed, homework. I don't know why it was my job, but that's the role that I took. And I think as a younger person, I was always wanted to be um, the center of attention, so to speak. How was it your first time being on stage and writing my, your own material? Oh, and oh my God, it my my <clears throat> stomach, I I dropped. I had a lump in my throat that I couldn't get rid of, and that was the hardest part. I think once I, once I started dancing, I was dancing. That was not part of my plan, but it just came out. I was dancing, and once I once I started dancing. It, everything kind of went away a little bit, but I still had that lump in my throat the first five minutes. And so it was it, it was scary. I saw the people. I was scared, but I had to get over the jitter, the, 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 the butterflies. And you just started dancing, and now you dance in every show, right? I, I dance in every show. and I Kind of like an icebreaker or something? Yeah, it's kind of an icebreaker. I think it helps me to relax and gain control of the stage or command the, I command the audience to focus on me because you never know where I'm going. That's kind of my thought process, I think in the back of my head. So did you really learn how to be a comedian in six weeks? No, I was always funny. I, um, <laughs> I, was, voted most, I was voted most humorous in my seventh grade class. I think it was seventh or eighth grade, I was voted most hum humorous. I was always funny, got in trouble a lot because I was always trying to be funny. But when I was growing up, I had eczema really bad and people used to make fun of me and I was bullied. And so to get over that, I try to compensate for not looking, you know, looking like I had um, really bad, a real red rash here and here and on my forearms, behind my legs, and it was almost, I couldn't help but scratch. 
you know, I, 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 it was just pussy. It was horrible. And it was one of those things where when I finally got out of high school, some people used to call me yuck mouth and it, and it hurt my feelings, but yeah, it hurt my feelings. And to compensate for not that, I would just try to be funny, you know? So I, I that was my armor, right? Sure. Like, I, I, I would try to compensate for that. Have you been able to process your father's death and, you know, being bullied in high school? Do you think the comedian, like, have you processed all of that? Or yeah. are you still, like, is and you've really, like, grown into being a comedian? Or is that still? No, I, I, I've grown into being a comedian. I think that the things that I've experienced, the life that I have walked has helped me create funny to help me get through certain things. You know, sometimes I might put on rap music and turn <laughs> it really loud. And, you know, it's like, I don't give a damn what they're talking about. I know this is where I am. But, you know, I think it's been, it's been very helpful for me to do the comedy because then I can, I can talk about things that people want to talk about that might be in their subconscious, but they never really talk about it. But they sure. may agree with it. That's the best way I can explain that. So have you had a, the pretty traditional life up until about six years ago, meaning did you go to college? You know, you went to high school. Did you go to college? You got married? Did you, uh, did you have of, kids? Okay. So, yes, a little bit about me. I was born and raised in Oxnard, actually in Port Wainini. They had a little oh. hospital called Belinda Hospital. I was born there, and then we lived in Colonia. I lived there, and then our house burnt down. Oh my goodness. My mom said after she got out of this hospital, we're not gonna live here long and the next we're not gonna live here long and the next day our house burned down, literally burned down. We were I had spent the night over his family house because her and my father were having some problems. And I remember the girls spent the night with my aunt and the boys stayed with my dad. But when we were going to school, we saw the firemen and our house burnt down and was never really the same. Then my parents split up. Um but yeah, I remember that. I have two kids. I First had my first child when I was 15 years old, going into 16. I was a single parent. I didn't tell anyone I had, was pregnant. My daughter was born in November, so I went through all of the summer. I wore a trench coat all day, every day. Nobody knew I was pregnant. And my brother finally told my dad, I heard she was pregnant. Right now, my, my daughter is 38 years old today. Oh, wow. Happy and birthday to her. Yeah, she's the veteran baby, and she has two kids. They live on the East Coast, and she's married. She didn't have kids before she got married, and she graduated college. I'm very proud of her. Wow, so that makes you 53? Yeah, and she is 38. Isn't that something? <laughs> that is something. <laughs> and then I waited five years after that, and she, uh, I had another daughter. Her name is Cynthia, and she is pregnant, and she's going to have her first child December 5th. Oh, congratulations. And so I was very, I'm very proud of them. Both of them got married, then they had kids. And, and, you know, they broke the cycle of what everyone said. You know, once you have a kid at 15, they're going to have kids at 15. It's going to be this vicious cycle. And I was just so extremely proud of them for not going down that road. Um, going to school. My daughter got her bachelor's degree. Uh, since then they're both very, in my opinion, very successful. One is a data analyst. She works for the government. And the other one is a senior recruiter, and she lives in Texas. Oh, wow. She, 
Yeah, she used to work, uh, Cynthia used to work in Carpinteria. She got an opportunity to become a senior recruiter, and they're both very successful. They both own their own homes. It's a beautiful feeling. Oh, good. Very independent. Um, Yes. So, well, having children at such a young age, I guess one of my questions is, you know, did life turn out the way you thought it would? And at 15, you know, I mean, before (laughs) you got pregnant, I mean, what did you dream about? What did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a nurse because I they nurse, you'll never lose, you'll, you'll always have a job. But as life went on, my brother and his wife would always fight. And one day, my brother accidentally fell on a knife. I don't know how he fell on a knife. And there Ouch. was, and she drove him to the house, his wife, she drove him to the house. And he sat on the curb and said, just let me die. And there was this white stuff hanging out of his arm. And I thought, God, do I really want to be a nurse? So, <laughs> I don't know if that's really what I want to do. The white stuff, I don't know what that uh, yeah, is. Yeah, I don't like, know what this is. So we got him, finally got him to the hospital, and they stuck their finger deep into his 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 arm. And I thought, maybe I don't want to be a nurse. Maybe that's not what I want to do. And that's when I decided, that's really probably not what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I, you know, I commend those people who can be nurses and doctors because I've had my time in the hospital. Let me tell you, there's no way in hell I could do that job. No way. I am the biggest baby. You can ask anybody. Um, it's too funny. So you... after I turned 15 and I had these children, how did, how did that happen? Right? Like what, 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 what happened then? I had to figure, I had to grow up really, really quick. Right. I had to grow up really, really quick. I went to this um, teen mother school in Oxnard where you can bring your child to work. Uh, bring your child to school. So I did that. And then it was time for me to go back to school. And I was so advanced in personality. And I just needed to take the GED and just start working or going to school. So I, I took the GED, got out of high school, and I started taking classes at Oxnard College. My aunt told me if I continued to go to school, she would give me a job. And I had a kid. I had no transportation. So I drove her. On, I rode her on a bicycle with a little baby seat on the back to her babysitters. I would go to school. And then I'd work part-time. Then I'd go pick her up, bring her to my, my dad's house, let my siblings watch her, and I'd go back to work. And then I did that until I saved up enough money. And I got a car for, for it was supposed to be for $500. And then... Um, when I saved up that $500, it was a little red mar- Maverick. I'll never forget it. Um, the guy told me, hey, somebody wants to buy the car for $700. So I was just like crying and thinking, can you please just let me buy this car? I can't keep riding this kid back and forth. Right. And 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 he did. So I had to make payments. But the car had a small leak in the radiator. And he goes, well, all you got to do is put black pepper in it and it will... It will swell up and the leak will stop. So literally, every time the car would run hot, I was crying driving this little car with black pepper just seeping through the vents. It was horrible. But I did it. And that was my transportation. And I just love the fact that I had a car that I can get in and ride my car, my kid around in. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's where there is a will, there is a way, right? Yes, absolutely. You just had to get it done and that's that. And it was, and I think that's what made me um, the person that I am, because no one could do it for me. You had to do it yourself. 
Like that was what that was about. Um, did you have supportive family or? I, I did. My, 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 my dad was very supportive, but he was also raising other kids and he worked in the restaurant industry. And so he would go to work like around 11, maybe get home like late nine, 10 o'clock. We kind of, we were all latchkey kids. We raised ourselves. I mean, we used to have parties and <laughs> when he was at work and charge everybody a dollar to get in. And then when he show up, literally we see his, we tell everybody scoot out the back door <laughs> and don't be like, don't let them see you till he comes in the house and you run around the side of the gate. Yeah. We were, we were something else. We did. <laughs> I had a fake ID. I'd buy booze for everybody and charge them for it. Yeah. It, I was something else, but it was the support that I had from my siblings because they were able, because they were younger, they were able to help watch her when they weren't in school and that helped. Oh, that's um, great. You say that laughter is the best medicine. Yes. How have you how have you seen laughter in your your comedian persona heal people? You know, have you, have you are, seen it like yeah, like think, tangibly? Yeah, so sometimes when I, I go into the hospital a lot, I, I, I work in home health, so I'm dealing with people who are sick. Either they've fallen, broke a hip, an accident, or something catastrophic. They get cancer and they're just They've tried everything and then they're thinking, okay, well, my doctor told me I'm going to go through treatment. You know, if I don't want to go the treatment, then, you know, I can elect to go to hospice. I think meeting people where they are, making sure they understand, you know, tell me your story. And then once you tell me your story, then I'm like, that's funny. That's interesting. And try to get them to understand, find the good, good in everything, how their story can resonate with something that you've done or experienced. I think that helps people heal. I think my mother is a strong woman. She came from Mississippi. Her and my father didn't really have a lot of education, but they came and got us to California where the life would have been better here versus staying in Mississippi, where there was still a lot of hatred going on. And that's how they got here. They wanted a better life for, for their kids. And I, I think that's great. But my father you know, he was a womanizer. He, you know, <laughs> he drove her crazy. I think that's what happened. And, you know, he since then passed away. He was married three times. We always say my dad is like, a, we call him a, a international because he had a black wife, a white wife, and a Hispanic wife. And it's kind of a running joke in the family. <laughs> <laughs> my dad had three wives, too. And, yeah, he he had more game than I ever did in my whole life. You know what I mean? Like, he, you know, had that big personality or, you know. Yeah. Funny guy, very witty, and yeah, he, we actually went to college together, and we graduated, but he studied women's studies, and so he was always in school with all these women, and he was just, you know, everybody loved him, and I'm like, you have more game than I did. <laughs> what the hell is that about, you know? <laughs> oh my God, that is hilarious. Actually, that's really funny. I took women's studies, and I know exactly what's in that class. That's hilarious. Yeah, you, yeah, you, yes. Let's just put it that way. Anything that's <laughs> happening in women's studies, my dad did that. And he'd be like, oh, expert. oh my gosh. <laughs> I He would tell me things just to embarrass me. Like, oh, we had to put a condom today on a banana. I'm like, okay, dad, thanks. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that is funny. I think when I was growing up, I always wanted to be famous in my own town. And I used to work with this girl and she said, you're funny. You've got a lot of personality. And then she came to work one day and she brought me this book. And it says, make it in in Hollywood, right? 
it was making it in Hollywood, how to become funny in your own town. I think that's, uh, uh, or become famous in your own town. That's what it was. And she brought me this book. It had to be 1994. And this is a gal that I worked with. Then she left, quit, came back. And we worked together for a long time. And I, I thought it was interesting. She brought me that book. I've had that book since 1994. I've, I keep it on the side of bed. I, I do. That's my goal. I think that's my, my goal you, is to become you, famous you, in my own town. So you are famous in your own town. I, I mean, I kind of am. I kind of am. Now own people. it, girl. Own it. Okay. <laughs> I like to say I'm famous in my own town. I've had a couple of people ask for autographs and take pictures, you know, and I'll, I'll walk somewhere and they're like, hey, are you, are you a comedian? I'm like, yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Well, um, you're 805's favorite comedian and you were voted number one this year uh, by the Ventura County newspaper, The Reporter. And then you've been in the top three for the last two years as well. So okay. you've made it in your town, right? <laughs> so now it's time for me to move on to uh, outside of the city's uh, Ventura County and start doing shows in different areas. And that's kind of what I'm doing. But to, to circle back, I, I forgot something I wanted to add. My work life, I, I was so eager to have a job to be able to raise my kids and do what I needed to do. So I've had a lot of different crazy jobs. I, they're not crazy. They're all stepping stones to where I am. You wanted to become a nurse to take care of people, but you are taking care of people in your own right, right? You right. know, you're healing people through laughter and your comedy. You work in hospice, home health. You brighten people's day every day. And then you help those around you. You're, that is that you you have summed me up in a nutshell. <laughs> that, that's true. I I, I I can only tell you that I never really thought about it that way, but you're right. I, I'm grateful that my parents had the personality they had because it helped me to be the person that I am. I don't know if that makes sense. Absolutely. So my dad worked in the restaurant industry. He had to be jovial and happy and um, charismatic and, and make people like him. That's how he got tips. And that's how he raised his kids on tips. It, it, it is a special person that can um, take a person who's trying to plan a wedding and keep them on an even kill because they're all excited and they're angry and this is not right. And that's not right. So my father worked, his job was to make people happy. And I think, and, and that was his biggest thing is I just want to be happy. He used to always say that over and over and I think now I get it. Right. I do. I get it. Mm. It's just, you never think about the happiness. What does it mean? What does it really truly mean? You don't know. Your happy might not be my happy, but I think if you can make people happy, it's a very rewarding feeling. Yes, very fulfilling. Yeah. So what is your definition of happiness then? No worries. You know, you don't worry about, I, I think I, I'm happy when there's less drama and drama is, it, it's, it's, it's a big word for me because there's always someone over here is not happy about whatever. You're like, God, that's drama. <laughs> that's drama. How do you tackle the drama? You just got to tackle it. It doesn't matter how it's coming at you. It's just like, let me think about that. Let me see how I'm going to fix this. I'm a fixer. Is to be called. I like. I like to be called D the fixer. I'm gonna D fix the fixer. all these situations. Yeah, I, I. I think that's. 
the best way to sum up my life growing up. I was always trying to fix everything. But now it's just my husband and I and the kids are pretty independent, which is awesome. They're very independent. And that's what makes me happy. They they told me on two different occasions that aren't you glad that we don't ask you for anything? Aren't you glad that we don't like bug you for stuff like this? And I was like, yeah, I kind of am glad. Because that lets me know I did a good job. And that's what they told right. me. You did a good job. You know, I didn't do it by myself. My husband has definitely been in their life for the last 20, oh gosh, we, we'll be married 19 years. We were married 19 years in September. I think he's a lot of the reason why I am the way I am too. He's he's my rock, no matter what. He's right. retired. I talk a lot about him on stage, but he's retired. And <laughs> I, I, I keep him with a list of stuff to do, but I, I should write it down and text it to him. <laughs> That's what that's what I was going to ask you. What does your husband think of your comedy? You know, he supports me. We write together and, and we hang out together and it's fun. That's amazing. I love it. So I want to get your thoughts on something and you may not be from the school of thought, but I am. I think it's very interesting that you had this book on your nightstand for... 25 years or however long, 35 years, whatever. I don't even know. <laughs> you, you know, you say 1970 and it still feels like 30 years ago, but it's really like 40 or something, 50 now. Who knows? Time just goes by so fast. But it, it literally says, you know, making it in Hollywood, being the best in your own town or whatever it said. And you are that. So right. my school of thought is like, you manifested that shit. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> It was a subliminal message next to you for every day for years. So how, what do you think about that? I, I, wow, that I never really thought about it that way. How profound of a thought that is for me, like right now, you just like slapped me upside in. Like, <laughs> Sorry. Bam, bam. I'm like, damn, I never even thought about it. Like, you know, what's interesting about this book, it, 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 it talks about become famous in your own town. From beginning to success, a step-by-step guide to make it make to make an acting career, a ma- acting a career, and I'm like, huh? I never. I mean, I've looked in the book. I've I've looked through the book. There's great ideas in this book, but it wasn't about acting for me. I think it was more like I wanted to be an actress, and I thought, oh, that sounds like a hard job. I'd rather be a comedian. It only takes one person to do that. It's like you have to carry yourself. I think after working with people and so many personalities, I think trying to make it and, and people recognize you, I, I'm so grateful that I have the personality that I have because people are drawn to my energy. And people tell me that all the time. And I say, oh, what the hell does that mean? You're drawn to my energy? It's like you make people feel good when you're around them. And I'm like, well, how is that? They're like, because you're happy. And I'm like, well, okay, I'm happy, but what does that mean for you? They're like, because you're happy, I don't want to be happy. And it makes me feel good. And I thought, wow, that's what I do for you? Like, that's what I do? Like, I didn't really, I mean, I didn't really understand it. I think that's what has helped me to be who I am. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. And if and so how I equate that is when people say they're drawn to you, like you have a certain, we'll call, you know, vibration. We're all energy, right? I mean, right. again, I'm. this is my school of thought. It doesn't have to be everybody's. It doesn't have to be yours. I'm not trying to, but this is how I see it is, you know, in happiness. And when you're truly happy and not faking it, right? 
Yes. Happiness is one of the top, like, on the emotional scale, right? Like fear, uh, guilt, resentment, all that stuff. Anger is all at the bottom, right? But as you, you know, come up the emotional scale, happiness is up at the top. And so when you're vibrating at that, of course people are drawn to that. You're a light. And so people don't understand, you know, most people, maybe in L.A. they do because, it, you know, L.A. is woo-woo and stuff. But, you know what I mean? People are drawn to the light like a moth, right? Yeah. And so, of course, you're happy and you exude confidence and there's a comfort. You know, I'm sure people, I mean, I'm just now meeting you, but there's more than joy. You could tell that your trust if somebody told you their deepest, darkest secrets, I don't foresee you blabbing it everywhere or whatnot. You know what I'm saying? So there's like a trust and a comfort there. I think and that's so, one of the things that one lady said to me, oh, don't say anything. I said, well, you know, that's how I keep all my relationships. I don't go around saying what somebody says. It just doesn't make sense. It's easier to keep a secret than to tell somebody because then it becomes a game of telephone and it changes. Remember, I'm the middle child of eight. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there's always there was always something, but as you said, she said up, they did it. I didn't. This is what yeah. happened. Yeah. Oh different my gosh. stories. Yeah. He say she say was the biggest thing. I'm just very very. People always say that comedy and tragedy, right? They're comics fine are line. depressed. <laughs> yeah, that's fine line. People are usually depressed. I don't think for me. It, it's a depression thing. I think it's more of laughter and smiling is so much, so much more prettier than um, being sad. I mean, sad. God, I don't want to sit around slinging snot all day. You know, that's what I think. You know, being sad is. I think sometimes. Do I? Am I always happy? No. Um, do I get stressed? Yes. Do I try to come up with ways to get myself out of that funk type of thing? Yes. You know, I, I, I don't want to live my life being depressed about something that I have no control over. I realize that I only can have control over certain things. And it's like having a brand new car and you think, wow, it'll never break down. And then it does. And you're like, well, I had no control over that either. Same right. same situation. My dad used to say, the only thing you can you can bet for sure as you get taxes and die. That those <laughs> yep. are the two things. Yeah. Taxes Death and Death and taxes. Yes. And so I, I mean, and I get that. I think most people, when you decide who you want to be in for a long time, I didn't know who I wanted to be. I, I, my sister, I like to tell her she's got multiple personalities, but we all want to be somebody else, you know, like different, you know, black people had nappy hair and then they want that. We got weave. We can have long hair now. Right. It's the same thing. <laughs> you said offline you want to be everything to everyone and there's so many things you know do i want to get into radio or i want to do this i want to be an actress are you still in that mode or i i think the best way to describe that is i'm not finished yet so i have this huge job that requires me to be responsible for a lot of things mainly it's business development that's what it is you got to build business you know, when there's no not enough business, you got to go out and get some. You got don't have enough staff, you got to go find that too. And I'm one of those people. But at the same time, I want to be it. I would love to do a commercial. I'm on the casting websites. I get alerts all the time. I've had like five or six of them. I you know that alerted me. 
but I'm just excited that someone actually thought maybe she can be in a commercial. So I've never really tried the acting thing to do that. Um, but one day, I'm not done yet. I still, I still can dream about the things, but I said I was going to become famous in my own town. Maybe I'll create my own podcast and um, start putting more things on YouTube and create more uh, activity on my YouTube channel. I, I'm creating some characters that I want to launch on stage, but I want to start launching them on YouTube, get people to look at it on YouTube so it'll be easier. Uh, they'll be more interested in the character once they see it on stage. So that's one of the things that I plan on doing in the next 30 days. The next 30 days? Are you taking yeah. Why no. 30 days or because it's the end of the year? Well, because I have a show. I have a show at Levity December 18th. And I want to do a little segment on this particular character that I think would be great. So I'm, I'm working on it. Have you thought about, and the only reason why I bring it up is because I, I really enjoy doing this podcast stuff. And you talk about characters. I actually took a voiceover class. And that a voiceover is huge with characters that's a, you know, and that's voices. That's one of the things, honestly, that's funny. One, That's one of the things we talked about, my husband and I. I wanted to take a voiceover class. I wanted. I went to the Groundlings. I wanted to take a class. And quite a few of my comedian friends took this class, and I thought, oh, I should go do that. I worked with a dialect coach. Her name is uh, Denise Wood, Woods with an S. This woman, uh, she was just a fascinating to me, and she, and she talked about her work ethic. I read this article, you know, her, her Facebook page, then I read it again, and I read it again, and the one thing that really stuck with me was she talked about her work ethic. She said, her and I have a lot in common, our work ethic. And she's a Juilliard teacher, instructor. And she's got a lot of folks that come on to be big stars. And I'm like, wow. And I sat in your living room and took some classes. I'm excited. Right? Yeah. So, you know, sometimes you put it in perspective. I'm like, huh. And I remember one thing she told me. And I, of course, I didn't listen. She told me, whatever you do, don't go live. And I thought, I wonder what she meant by that. And I think what she was trying to teach me is if you go live on Facebook and people can wow. see you, why would they come and pay to see you? Oh, like, right. Yeah, that's a good point. I was like, wow. So that kind of resonated with me and hit me upside the head today because I was thinking about what we were going to talk about. And that was something that just popped in my head. I was like, now I know why she probably said that. I think that's what she was trying. That's what she was getting at. It's very interesting. Yeah, though. it's very good advice yes yeah you have yeah. to give teasers so people know what you're all about but you don't want to give up your whole you know shtick right right exactly then they, then they won't that's, come the, see that's you. like the old saying why bother cow when you can get the milk for free right exactly <laughs> so i have this uh tagline that i like to use and uh, never never wonder what if live with no regrets so i love that yeah, I so, you know, what are your what ifs? What are what are your, you want to be in a commercial? I want, what else what do you want to do? What if I were in a commercial? My God, then you mean no, if no. it was like, fo, fe, uh, no, what's her name? Uh, uh, the Progressive, Flo. Oh, yeah. I, I often look at the progr Progressive commercials and they're like, you know she was a comedian. I'm like, no. No, I didn't know that. Yes, she's a comedian and I believe most of the actors in those commercials were comedians or they were in the one of the improv classes. I think it might've been the groundlings. I'm not sure, but whatever it was, 
she's now, you know, she made, I don't know how many millions, maybe seven four, to $14 million last year or the year before. But it is just very interesting that people talk about that. Right. Um, but what else? Like, never wonder what if. So, okay, you're going to pursue the commercial and maybe you go and do a commercial and you're like, mm, it's not for me. Oh, so so what, what, what is but, the other thing? Like, okay, what are, do you want to try that you don't want to reject, that you don't want to regret? regret? So I want to write a book about my life and because I, I think it's fascinating. I want to be a motivational speaker because people are attracted to my energy and I think I can help them throughout their 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 journey, a portion of their journey, whatever it is that they think they want to be and do, just do it. Almost like the Nike commercial, right? Just do it. I don't want to regret not writing the book because the book would be very interesting. I think it could be a either somewhat of a lifetime movie or uh, <laughs> an action uh, action. Yeah, I think it could be some action in there. I think it would be a lot of action in there. <laughs> I don't know why, but I totally thought of Deadpool for some reason. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I don't know why. That just like popped in my head when you said no, action. But I, I don't want to regret not writing or telling my story because it's, I, I think it's a good story that could be told. I think it would help people to understand that you, you can be anything you want to be or become anybody you want to be. Right. So you want to be a motivational speaker, but do you believe that you can live your dreams at any age? Absolutely. I think, well, now, I mean, 50 is the new, I mean, let's see, the new 30, right? Right. Because people are living longer. And a long time ago, when you turned 30, gosh, you're not going to make it to 50. You're lucky. But it's changed now. People are living longer. You know, I know for me, if I want to live longer, then I have to make sure I get enough sleep. I have to... Um, eat better. I need to exercise. I need to meditate. There's all these great things that you need to do, but you never have time for them. So I find myself in the morning just stretching in the bed and meditating before I get up so I can have a better day and I can be, have some type of balance. Right. It's interesting that you said, you know, nobody has time for it. Right. It seems to be the theme lately, especially in the last couple of weeks. I've seen and people are talking about just, they're so busy, right? They're so busy. And I have this, I posted on my Instagram. I literally wrote on a post-it note, like, slow down. And because I was just moving so fast. I was just moving so fast. And it really takes a conscious effort to slow down and remember what is really important in life, right? That was like, one of the one things my father said to me. Denise, yes, Dad, do me a favor. What, Dad? Slow down. Yep. Thank you for reminding me of that. That is, that's true. It is true. And, you know, to, I mean, it's so cliche to say, you know, tomorrow's not promised. And it isn't. But I guess my point, and I'm guilty of this. I, I am guilty of everything I talk about. But I really try to be, I really work at, being conscious about it and live life before a tragedy strikes and you realize what's what's important, right? Yes, I I think that that's that's usually what happens to everybody until you have some kind of life-changing experience, you won't slow down. 
Yep. Because we think as people that we're invincible, right? We can do anything. And I know I have a friend, very busy person, very busy person. And one day she started making these essential oils and things. And I, I thought, wow. And then she gave me an essential oil and it was called Manifest Your Dreams. And I rolled it on my hands and she told me, just breathe in. And I was like, wow, made me slow down and think. Yep. Could this truly happen? Could I manifest my dreams? Yep. So how would you define living with no regrets? You know, you make mistakes throughout your life and, and you literally learn from them. So, so the way you define living with no regrets is don't beat yourself up for your past mistakes. Like they're exactly. all lessons and you wouldn't be who you are and where you are today without them. Absolutely. I think sometimes I regret not understanding what my mom went through. Having kids, she had eight kids year after year after year after year. Like my sister and I are a year and eight days apart. My brother is a year and a month apart for me. Every, every year she had a kid. And I think she started at probably 15 or 16. Wow. And what's, what's really crazy is that you don't know everything she sacrificed for all the kids. But as I've gotten older, I get it. But when I was younger, I hated her. I, I hate is such a strong word, but like, how could you leave us like this? She was sick. And understanding that, I think, now I, I get it. I get what she went through. And I, I, I truly believe that she has no regrets for what she needed to do with her life, even though she had all these children. And it's funny how, how life is. My father died 2013 and here she is still living, still vibrant. We're all overweight. She's like a buck five, uh, she's like <laughs> 115 pounds. They're like, how the hell are you 115 pounds? I sure would like to be your size. I'm like, yeah, right. She's she's fun. She's hilarious. So aside from not, you know, really understanding your mother until you obviously you've grown and had your own children and understand, do you have any other regrets? Oh, wow. Regrets. Jeez. I, I think when you work with people and you try to understand what makes them tick and then you realize you can't you can't save them you know you can't save somebody that does not want to continue to work in the same job that they've had they decide that they want to they want to go in a different direction you want to help guide them but at the same time, you don't want to not not really set somebody else up to fail, but to encourage them to go on and do the things that they have to do so they so that they feel I mean how do I put this? So that they feel that they made the right decision. I I worked at a job for 18 years. 18 years. It was extremely comfortable. And one day Somebody made me mad. I don't know who the hell made me mad that day. And somebody called me and said, hey, I want to talk to you about an opportunity. And I thought, why the hell would anybody want to talk to me about an opportunity? Everyone knew 
in this industry, I was never really recruitable because I love what I did. As luck would have, I left that company that I was so comfortable with for 18 years and became very uncomfortable. And it's been four years. I'm still uncomfortable. But my brother told me, I don't know why I listened to him because he had a PhD. I don't know. <laughs> him. He's automatically but, just knows yeah, everything. <laughs> he's smart, right? And he says, you know, you're comfortable. You have to get uncomfortable so you can grow. And I thought, I don't know, should I, should I? Took me. I said, yes, I was moving on, but it took me for a long time. I, I couldn't sleep. I, I, and for the first 30 days, I regretted it. Four years going on, five years now. I don't regret it. I don't regret it so much. I will never forget where I come from, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. My kids grew up there. They gave me lots of opportunity to grow. And I think I needed to, I needed to go somewhere else to see if, if I left that place and I went somewhere else, could I do the same, could I have the same impact where I was? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to say, yeah. So the regret that I had is that I went from something that I was very familiar with, very comfortable with, to something that made me uncomfortable. I didn't sleep at night. And, and for a long time, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I still don't know what I'm doing, but I'm having a damn good time trying to figure it out. Yeah, so they say a couple things. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And... Being comfortable is comfortable, but you don't grow there. You have to get outside your comfort zone to grow, right? Yeah. So you you had the wherewithal to say, okay, I need to grow. So I need to get out of my comfort zone, right? Yeah. It was probably this, one of the scariest things that I ever did. And this girl told me, it was funny. I'll never forget. Her name is Vanessa. Her and I were in orientation. And we went out to dinner in San Diego. And she's, we're sitting there, and out of the blue, she's like, hey, so you want to know how they found you? And I'm like, who? Like, this company. And I said, oh, I don't know. I thought, I don't know how they found me. She's like, well, it was me. And I was like, really? She said, yeah, they told me to go out and ask everybody, who do you call when you have a problem, when you need something, and they always come through? She said she went to several people. And there were three names, she said, but my name kept coming up. And I circled your name three times and said, you need to call her. She's the one you're looking for. How's that? After like not knowing and understanding what other people thought of you. Not I, I knew that. I'm like, I'm always telling everybody, one call does it all. One call does it all. Call me. Don't call anybody else. And that is what she took to the four owners of this company that I work for. And that's how they got me. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, I will always be grateful for her being honest with me and telling me because it, had she not told me, I would have never knew what other people really, really, truly thought about me because they told a total stranger. They didn't know her. She was doing, she was on a covert operation <laughs> to find somebody for these guys. And I thought it was interesting their approach and how they approached it. And I thought that was interesting. Well, it sounds like you're in the flow of the universe and I commend you for that. So thank you. It's so refreshing to talk to somebody who seems they just surrender to life and go with the flow and things happen to work out. 
Right. You know, it's funny that you say that. That is exactly, I think, how I am. I, I just kind of go with the flow. When the wind blows left and right, and you're like, are oh, you got to be kidding? And then I say a few choice words, and I'm like, all right, I got to go straight forward and just keep going. And that's what it is. Just keep going. It's literally no regrets. Yep. Well, thank you so I much. Think- for. T- <laughs> I, I wanted to say thank you. to. I was going to say the same thing. Thank you for reminding me about to just relive some things that I hadn't thought about in a long time. Well, I hope they're good things. They're very good things <laughs> and they're only going to get better. And I, Kathleen, I can't thank you enough for making me think about my journey. Well, you're welcome. That's what I'm here for. That's what this podcast is about. No so regret. do you have any um, closing thoughts? I think that I love what you're doing with your podcast. Thank you. I think just your story resonates with me as to you can do anything you want to do, no matter all the obstacles that were in your way that you probably didn't think you could even do this. But look at you now. Just one foot in front of the other. But that's my takeaway. I want to put one foot in front of the other and have no regrets. You know, I told my mother today, I said, if something ever happened to me, don't you say that. I said, well, if something ever happened to me, I just want you to know, I had a great time. Woohoo! I had a great time. I, I think most people don't think about it that way. No. We know it's busy. a process. <laughs> We're too busy. You're right. We had a process. But, so uh, where can people find you? People can find me. I can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter under ComedianDeniseCarter.com. And you're, you're on YouTube and your website YouTube. is Comedian. Uh, oh, ComedianDeniseCarter.com. I'll leave a, a below in the show notes so that people can find you on YouTube. And I, I, I truly enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you.